In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by Avi, to support their investment and groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13 from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. All right, welcome into the latest edition of WARP in Cincinnati. Paulie and Andrew, Mercy Trent Rosecranes of The Athletic are here with you. Still no baseball, but we're here. We're here. Accurate. Accurate. News you can use. Two really important facts there. We're here as one. Still no baseball is two. Um, <laughs> as we wait. As we as we wait, we've got uh, some things we want to get to. We want to well, obviously we're going to give a quick update on where things stand with that whole playing baseball thing. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Joey Votto's um, op-ed uh, of his stating his feelings in a really um, a, a great piece from him uh, that was in the Inquirer and Reds dot com um, that he put out there. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about draft. Draft is happening. You know, maybe no. Maybe no baseball, but draft is happening on Wednesday. So we will kind of take a quick peek at what that will look like because it will look different uh, and what that means. So a lot a, a lot to get to, but so Trent, give me the update. Here's our latest. We need like the, the breaking news. Ding, 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 ding. Except what's the opposite of that when nothing breaks? It's just the same. Yeah, no baseball. <laughs> Silence. No baseball. That's our, that's it. And that's the end of this report. Uh, <laughs> where, where? I mean, is there any movement? It kind of felt like the owner said, oh, you don't want six? Well, how about a half dozen? And um, <laughs> it kind of feels like where we are. Um, you know, basically the owners are saying, we want to pay you this much. We don't care how we do it. And so they're like, you know, moving their hands and showing around like this, 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 this. And you still have a hamburger, you know? And it's just like, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. I mean, for me and I'm not in it. Uh, it, it just feels like there is no concession coming, um, either way. And, uh, yeah, that's that's where we are. I, you know, here's here's the bottom line. I believe, um, based on everything I'm hearing, you know, this 48-game schedule, 50-game schedule, that's the bottom line of amount of money that the owners are willing to pay. Uh, to, they're willing to pay 48 to 50 games worth of prorated salary. 
and the players came back and said, we'd really like a longer season. We just think it makes more sense. And they said, yeah, well, you can do it for this amount of dollars. And it's going to come down to that. I, I honestly, at this point, I think we're going to see a 48-game season. Wow. And the players will be played, you know, for 48 games of their contract, a prorated salary. Um when it comes down to it, it's going to be a huge, huge, huge black mark on the game. And there could be a bigger one coming next year. Uh, it's, it's, it is there. Whatever is agreed upon, there is no winner. There's only losers. And baseball is the yeah. biggest loser. Baseball, Major League Baseball is a huge loser, no matter what happens from here on out. Huge. And yeah. they're destroying the future of the of 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 the league. Um, you know, I kind of said it the other day, and I kind of just keep retweeting. It's like I love baseball with a with a lowercase b, but baseball with a capital B is making it really hard. Yeah, and it's just that's just that's just the bottom line. I mean, they're yeah. screwing this up. They have screwed up a golden opportunity. To, to to help out to to be a beacon to you know really they're screwing up an opportunity that was handed to them to increase market share and interest in the game and, and done the exact opposite <laughs> and they've they've sh they're just showing why they are you know reiterating people's opinion that this is all just terrible. And that Major League Baseball is terrible, and they are reiterating it. They are um, letting people say, "Hey, I'm right, not to care about this." We had we had on the on the lead on the lead. Um, I, I think it was late last week, middle of last week. Uh, Jason Stark was on, um, and if you don't listen to the lead, you should. It's it's fantastic and great. Looks different stories every day, and he was talking about how the bottom line is. This is not about saving this season. This is about saving baseball. It has become bigger than that because of the what how significant the fallout of this will be of blowing this opportunity over money is is so short-sighted in not seeing the big picture of of what this is going to do to an already a fan base that is already, you know, struggling to find ways to latch on, particularly a younger fan base struggling to find ways to latch on. And then when you throw that in a world where every other sport found a way, every other one has found a way to find to put some semblance of a seed, whether it's in a bubble, whether it's down the whether it's using special precautions, whether it's a special tournament, whether it, not just here in the United States, but around the globe. Everybody else has found a way. And to be the one that's haggling over dollars is is such an awful look that and and the long it's it's gonna be fascinating to watch the long term fallout from this because um you're right. You're exactly right, Trent. It has been um tough to watch. It's tough to watch. It's it's can, can, I mean this is not to excuse anything, but I will say this. NHL, NBA have played most of their seasons, yeah. so those guys have already gotten their money. Yeah, fair. You know, there 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 is a timing where it would have helped baseball a lot. You know, but also the timing that 
Um, you know, those players have all gotten their season's worth of salary for the most part. They aren't being asked to take as much of a haircut. So, I, you know, that's like devil's advocate, and I think that's part of it. Um, but the overall sentiment of, yeah, everybody else has figured this out. How can't you? And where, you know, why why can't we as baseball fans have um, have Silver as the, the commissioner? I mean, just like yeah. you look at that guy and you're like, huh, so it can be done right. Then you look at the other three um, <laughs> big sports commissioners and you're like, ooh. Right. I mean, that's how how tough that job is that these guys who are all making more than $10 million a year. Um, and, and in some cases much, much more all look like clowns except for one. Yep. In honest, really it's a silver, race to the bottom. Look at silver throughout, throughout this, the pandemic. I mean, he was the leader maybe in the country <laughs> in taking this seriously. I mean, there is no doubt. Rudy Gobert and Adam Silver were the were the turning point. That's that's when this country realized this was serious. Yeah, and that and that that's goes back to Adam Silver having the foresight because of his ties in the league in China and everything he has over there, eyeing it the entire time more so than our country was uh, of being of having a full plan in place for the second something like this happened months ahead of time and. And wanting to and understanding the importance of coming back and being part of coming back as the NBA and, you know, obviously finding a way to make Walt Disney World work and a bubble and all this stuff and working with your players and having that great relationship with your players, which is something that from a commissioner's standpoint, I think that we have seen thrown to the forefront for a, on a number of different uh, platforms here um, is the importance of having a great relationship with your players as a commissioner and how that can cause fractures and how that can cause both sides to work together in the long run. And I think that's the biggest difference between Adam Silver and everybody else uh, in all the other major sports pretty much is he has spent a lot of time and cared about cultivating that relationship with his players on top of staying on top of everything else. And they felt like they're all working together rather than working against each other, which is what baseball clearly is doing. Well, and there is a tradition of you know <laughs> the owners screwing this up mm-hmm. quite honestly yep um you know I, I think not many of the players are well none of the players are old enough to really have felt 1994 the strike in 94 which to me we still have never gotten over 26 years later it is just the baseball is not recovered yep. from that and i don't think it ever will and it's never going to recover from this never I just, I just don't see it. I, I would agree. You know, at we, well, I remember, I did, it, it, when, when the pandemic was first going, right after the draft, I did a series for, uh, hear that podcast growling, and we, I talked to a player and a coach and a fan, um, and a scout, and, and but in the, in the, with the fan, I talked to Bobby Slattery, who owns Fifty West, and, and, and he, we were talking, had a long talk on there about small businesses, and the real effect of some of this stuff, and it is, it has, it all trends across business have been accelerated, and that in how people operate their business, the acceptance of young especially young people in, in what a business should look like going forward. So if in five years so much was going to be customized by 
carry out and you going to the customer and customizing your game or or your your business, then that has been accelerated and that's happening now. And if in five years people are going to demand different things from baseball, that has been accelerated and that is going to be seen now, by the way. This this has accelerated everything to going into whatever direction you take it. It's everything is moving so fast and and trends are happening in a heartbeat that would have taken years. And that's one of the biggest effects of this on the whole country. And baseball is could be one of the most obvious ones of those is an acceleration on them going the wrong direction here by by screwing this up. And I don't want I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse here and belabor this. But, um, you know, it's it's what it's what we're facing as this goes on. And July 4th is now up in smoke and um, all the things that I think there was hope for being, you know, still being sitting there in the middle of a negotiation. Um, on that note, I want to um, another thing that uh, came out this past week was Joey Votto um, writing an, an, an op-ed. And I, what I want to do for those of you that have not heard it, I just want to read it. I don't want to put, you know, if you haven't read it, or maybe you have, it's worth hearing again. Um, so I just want to read it to you, and we can kind of uh, talk briefly about the significance of it and, and Joey being uh, such a – just a generally thoughtful dude, man. I mean, anybody that's listened to him on podcasts that he's been on here, you know, he is, uh, you know, you know exactly how much he thinks about stuff like this. Um, he writes, on May 28th, I received an emotional text from one of my few African-American teammates. He asked me to watch a video of a black man being killed under the knee of a white police officer. My instincts provoked an instantaneous defense of the officer. Perhaps the man was resisting arrest. Maybe there is a story the video isn't telling. Quote, watch the effing video. I deemed his response offensive. I told my friend not to yell at me and wished him good night. He apologized. A week before George Floyd's death, before any protests or uprising, I finished reading a copy of A Long Walk to Freedom, the autobiography of Nelson Mandela. I took in the history of his 27-year prison sentence for leading a fight against overt racism in South Africa. I admired his willingness to sacrifice for the cause of freedom for all. I considered him a hero for backing up his words with actions. And then I tucked the book away on a shelf in my library. I was raised in Mimico, a small neighborhood just outside of Toronto, Canada, one of the most culturally diverse cities in the world. In 2002, the Cincinnati Reds selected me with the 44th pick in the Major League Baseball draft. At 18 years of age, I began my professional career traveling around America on buses, growing up in clubhouses that were predominantly divided between white Americans and Latinos. Most of our minor league teams had few a few African-American players as well, and perhaps because of where I was raised, I found myself most comfortable with a group of Americans who weren't white. For five years, I shared hotel rooms with my African-American teammates. We shared pizzas, played video games, and listened to music together. We developed friendships. I look back on these years as some of the best of my life, but I also witnessed glimpses of racism that should have opened my eyes to the realities of being a black man in America. My teammates, my friends, the ones that I shared great times with, faced prejudices that I never did, and when they shared their experiences... I did not hear them. The day after I rejected my teammate's request to witness George Floyd's death, I finally opened the video. I wept. I texted my friend back and apologized. He graciously accepted, and then I moved on. I had acknowledged his pain. I had done my part. Everything inside of me wants to wants things to go back to normal. I don't want to protest, raise my voice, or challenge someone. I don't want to have heated arguments, break up friendships, or challenge previous norms. 
but I hear you now. And so that desire for normalcy is a privilege by which I can no longer abide. That privilege kept me from understanding the why behind Colin Kaepernick's decision to kneel during the national anthem. That privilege allowed me to ignore my black teammates' grievances about their experiences with law enforcement being profiled and discriminated against. And that privilege has made me complicit in the death of George Floyd, as well as many, the many other injustices that blacks experience in the U.S. and my native Canada. A week after I returned Mandela's biography to the library shelf, I dismissed a black friend's plea for support. And only now am I just beginning to hear. I am awakening to their pain and my ignorance. No longer will I be silent. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. What was your reaction to Joey doing this, Trent? I, I wasn't surprised. I've um, had conversations with jo- jo- Joey. Joey Votto is someone. I, I, we can see it in the way he plays baseball. He's a person who thinks a lot. I mean, that, that's that's the first thing. You know, Joey is someone who thinks. I mean, that's the way he plays baseball. That's the way he does everything. That's the way he speaks. He speaks with purpose. Um, most of the things he does in public have a purpose and they are reasoned and thought out. This, this had a purpose down to the part of where he put it, um, how he decided to release it. He's not a person on social media. Um, so it is, I mean, it's, it's moving, touching, um, selfishly I was like he's a better baseball player and writer than me and also he's a better writer than me (laughs) I mean all I've got is better looks and really um (laughs) like no I mean that's making light and that's probably just terrible but um that's what people do when they're uncomfortable and uh, you know this is an uncomfortable subject um I, I think it's it was phenomenally stated it was so well written it was so heartfelt um it's it's Joey Votto, um, one, you know, at least since Barry Larkin, the face of this franchise, in a place that has a complicated history. Um, I just, I, I thought it was phenomenal. And, um, yeah, I, I don't even know. It's It's been something that you see in so many different ways that um, I think it's good that he said this and he you know if it makes one person think differently that's phenomenal yeah and to, to me that's the difference right i mean there's so many of these athletes that that do understand the platform they have and the influence they can wield when saying and doing the right things and to admit i, I thought you know to to do this is his realization that he can really make a difference and people seeing and him admitting his own faults and, and you know awakening as he titles it um can help a lot of other people awaken because they because his voice does carry weight and i i think you know athletes a willing and understanding of how to use their platform and their fame um, for what they view to be as the greater good or whatever, um, is a foundation of the modern athlete. And the stick to sports is dead. Um, you know, go play baseball, 
you know, shut up and dribble. All that stuff is long gone. It is stuff of the far past. And that's been the case for a while. This accentuated. This was the exclamation point on that fact. This whole everything that has happened. And, you know, so many athletes uh, telling their, their story and what they see and, and how they think it can help is important. And I think uh, it's great. It's great to see Joey Votto doing that. And, I, and no surprise that he did it with so much thought. And no surprise that he did it through the eyes of a book that he was reading. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Well, well, and I, I think another thing. Well, and also about like, oh yeah, I was reading this book. I was doing my um, due diligence or whatnot. But yet, then to be like to to make that thing of reading the book's not enough. You know, you can read and understand and think you understand but your actions are what matters. And I think that's really the framing device of that book is like, Oh yes, I was doing the right thing reading about Nelson Mandela's struggles. And I put it up on my bookshelf, another one piled up. But yet when one of his teammates said this, his reaction admittedly was defensive. I I just think there's so much telling in that. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of how it was written was you know, we've heard this. How many times have we heard this? Show don't tell. He showed how he thought he was doing the right thing, but he wasn't internalizing that, and he wasn't living it. And um, it, it's just a beautiful statement, and it's also something that, that that highlights the open yourself up. Don't when confronted with new information, you don't dig into your old. You welcome new. You welcome change. There is, you know, what we have now, you know, the biggest thing that people, like on internet, and this is, I think, I think there's something about social media and Twitter and all these kind of things that, that brings out sometimes the worst in us. And so much of the one thing everybody wants to do is this gotcha hypocrite. You're gotcha. You're a hypocrite. Oh, I, I, that kind of drives me nuts because no, it's human. We are all complex and we are all capable of change and we should change. You know what? We should look at what we did in the past and what we thought in the past and go, Oh man, I was dumb. I do that with my writing all the time. You look at anything you've written. Like I saw something like I wrote four or five years ago that I was really proud of. And it's like, Oh, it's not good. It's not good. I've gotten I've changed. I've gotten better. My beliefs, my thoughts are all ever evolving. And I would rather be a hypocrite than to be stuck in my ways and not evolve. I think evolution's important. And, and that's, I think that is one of the things that he showed in that was how he has evolved or is evolving. Sorry, mm. how he is evolving. It is a constant process for all of us, and I think this is a time that I know I should shut up and 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 write about baseball. But heck, there's no freaking baseball, so <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, I should probably just shut up. Yeah. Well, you know, I no, I I think that's very well said, and and I'll just say this before we move on. I mean, I think one of the biggest problems of a divisive society, which no matter which side you're on, admitting that our society divisive is the ultimate truth right now, and. and 
is is the willingness to not see everything through uh, your own echo chamber of confirmation. It is to to be open minded to other ideas, to listen to the other side, and that goes all from all sides to the other. Everybody, we all spend so much time, you know, curating our feeds and what we want to hear to be what we want to he- want to hear, and not listening, really listening, and thinking about both sides of everything and and that goes no matter no matter where you are um and that uh, that has been accentuated to this so much of the the message uh, of the black lives matter movement is just listen (laughs) just listen and and i think that has opened up a lot of eyes and i think that was sort of the point of what joey Votto was saying and obviously he did it well um if you haven't read it or, you know, obviously you listen to me read it here, but if you want to go back and read it for yourself multiple times, uh, I recommend that. And, uh, all right, let's, uh, let's, let's move on then. I will, um, let's, let's take a quick break here, um, uh, on a much lighter note and, uh, note, um, that look, some of the top performers in businesses and sports, they often attribute their success to their morning routine. Mine involves much coffee. Um, whether it's waking up early or whatever it is, um, not everyone has time to do it all, but with hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Uh, did you know that 75% of us are walking around every day in life chronically dehydrated? It's very serious. Uh, we're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, injuries, energy slumps, poor focus. Doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly in your water and make your hydrating your body easy, delicious. Hydrant's backed by research, formulas developed by Oxford scientists, those are the good ones, to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash athletic. That's drinkhydrant.com slash athletic for 25% off your first order, drinkhydrant.com slash athletic. All right, that's that. Let's um, quickly touch on the draft, which is uh, coming up here on Wednesday. It's a... It's a weird time. They're only doing five rounds. Um, Reds are picking 12th. Um, yeah. So they have six total picks. Yeah. What is that? What does the fact that it's that there wasn't a high school baseball season, uh, college baseball season, the fact that there wasn't baseball this year, and what does that mean, do you think, for the type of players that will be targeted? Or do you think it has will have very little effect as far as the, the philosophy. You know, I, I had a Q&A with Brad Meter, um, their, their, um, their amateur scouting director, the other day. And there was some talk about that. You know, it's it's really, I think it hurts, what Brad was saying is it really hurts the 2021 draft more than the 2020. You know, for high school guys, you know, you just don't look at that senior year of high school as much. I mean, you just you want to see them healthy. Think about Hunter Green. Hunter Green pitched very little his senior year of high school. Most of these players, their value, the scouting of this was already done. Uh, these guys were scouted in last last summer in um, travel ball, in the fall, even in the winter, watching. Um, you know, uh, camps and all this and, um, and preseason tournaments. And, and so like that is all mostly done. It probably hurts college guys a little bit more. Cause you can see college, uh, f- like, uh, 
draft stock fluctuate. I mean, think of Jonathan India. If if he doesn't have the um, senior junior year that he does, you know, he's maybe a fourth or fifth round guy, but yet he was fifth overall. What it was anyway, regardless. So I, I think it may actually hurt college players more, but it will hurt some, and it helps other college players. I mean, think of, you know, you go. We go into this every year. Um, not a lot of people follow this as intently as I mean. I don't know. There might have been some other drafts that people follow intently. You may or may not know about this, um, but you know, every year you see college guys go up or down a lot more than maybe the high school guys. Uh, at this point. So I think it might hurt uh, college guys more. What does it do with the Reds? I, I don't know. There's so much at 12 that's so different. When you're top five, six, um, they're, they're, it's it's easy. I, I'm not, Well, easy is not the right word. It's easier. You have a better idea of who's going to fall to you. So you can really zero in on a certain group of players. Um, even if it's just what Brad said, like you go to uh, these, you go to games and you see, well, oh, there's four or five guys from, you know, the Mariners. They're really interested in somebody at this game. You know, there are things that, and then guys are around, they talk and all these things. So it is so much different now because you're not seeing people and you don't know exactly what's going on. And, you know, the years that they were picking second, f zoom in with their top pick. You know, not all picks when you have 40 rounds. There's a lot of other guys. But on that top pick, they had to, they had to kind of narrow it to two. When you're at 12, you narrow it to, you know, at least 12. So uh, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. Yeah. That was a lot of rambling and talking. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I think... Well, how how much do you think, I mean, will there be a better possibility? It's funny because they get rid of the later rounds in a year that I would think has a better chance for sleepers because there's less, there's a lot of prospects out there without the full picture completed. Whether you're talking about these, you know, like you said, a Jonathan India, who maybe you're getting, maybe if you're getting somebody uh, who would have turned into a number five overall type pick in the fifth round because you have a guy who was on the verge of, of having that breakout season, but nobody has seen it yet. It seems like there's a more of a chance for sleepers. Can you, just because I don't, you know, I, I, I don't well, understand on it. On the flip side of that is there's more, on the flip side of that, there's more chance for busts. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe there should be less of a look at at the top. So what? Why did they? What is the biggest reason behind narrowing this down to just five rounds? I mean, what was the biggest reason for that? Just to clarify the the logic behind that for me. Money. Okay. <laughs> well, there we go. It always comes back to this. I should I should have really seen that coming. It's the answer to everything. They save a lot of money. I mean, that's gotcha. that's a big part of it, and yeah, it just God, it all sucks. It does. It really does. Uh, so we'll we'll keep an eye on that and who get who gets drafted. Um, Red. I will six say picks. what's going to be more interesting is okay. kind of that free for all afterwards. Yeah, you know the players who don't get drafted. That's where it's interesting because those guys are now kind of free agents, and you can only offer. I guess a $20,000 signing bonus. 
So the people, you know, I think there will be some who just say, I'm, I'm going to go back for my senior year or I'm, I'm going to college. Well, there's going to be fewer spots. You're still talking about scholarship limits and all that. I don't think they're going to increase scholarships at, at colleges. I mean, they're eliminating programs in a lot of places. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it is, it, it is you know, frankly, just terrible for the sport. Um, that is a reoccurring theme here. Um, <laughs> that they're doing things terrible for the sport. But what will be interesting is how that plays out with those non-drafted guys. And they will then, if, if money's up to $20,000, what, right? Um, so you have to look at geographic concerns. So you might see a lot more guys going closer yeah. to their hometown teams. You know, that, that could benefit Atlanta the Florida teams, Texas, the California teams, because uh, those are kind of hotbeds, the Diamondbacks. You know, you, you, it, basically warm weather places, it would benefit. Mm-hmm. One thing the Reds think that they might do is there are not, there's not a lot of name brand when it comes to player development. You know, it's not a sexy thing that a lot of people know about. If you do know if you do know a brand name in player development, it would be Kyle Bodie. It would be Driveline Baseball. That is the Reds. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that becomes an advantage that they have. That mm-hmm. You know, if you were a serious baseball player, if you were going to be drafted, you know all about Driveline. And maybe there are some that it turns off, but there are a ton more that it does the opposite. That it, it gets them, they want to work with Kyle Body and they want to work with Driveline. And for better or worse, and I think in this case for better, that brand is entrenched with the Cincinnati Reds right now. That could make them a very... Um, attractive landing spot for those players who were not drafted and you could get some more talent there you know I talked to Brad and they're they're scouting like there's 40 rounds that's fa- it's it's uh what a fascinating way for this to go because that's that's the wildest part is, is is free agents um and you're you're giving much more teams chance to just choose brand names so you're right it's going that will be interesting to watch and i guess that that will all happen in a heartbeat too it'll be the wild wild west as soon as the draft ends right i think there's some time oh are they going to give I'm a are they going to give a little break yeah i think to people to make sure and blah 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 so i don't yeah. know exactly how it's all going to work but we'll keep it, an eye it, on all it that it will yeah very interesting uh trent it's been a pleasure um as always we will be back next week and maybe maybe next week we'll have a little bit more news and optimism but right now there's no news and uh a lot of a lot of reality checks uh, about the sport right now so that's what but that's what it is we're here to bring you the reality uh and that's what it is so anyway good i hope we t- we'll talk to everybody next week and uh enjoyed this episode so we'll talk to you next time on warp in cincinnati Ooh.